Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. If you've discovered that you are the difficult person in a relationship, you are emotionally abusive, you are hurtful to someone you love, you might want to check out Healed Being over at HealedBeing.com. That is a program that I run for emotionally abusive people that want to change. You may not like that label. I don't. (laughs) I don't like the label emotionally abusive, but that's who I was. That's where I was at the time when I was younger and more immature And I had to learn how to stop doing that behavior. And I share that over in Healed Being, along with everything I've learned over the years as a behavior and relationship coach. And I am here to help you. And today's episode is going to have a segment on judgment, which is lesson four in Healed Being. Probably one of the most destructive behaviors that I did and many other people will do in their relationships to destroy a relationship. So if you need a program to help you start treating the people you love with kindness and respect, head over to HealedBeing.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hey, this is Paul Coliani, and I want to help you learn the skill set you need to deal with life's challenges in the most emotionally intelligent way. Wish me luck. (laughs) This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. All right, I'm going to read you this email that I received. Um, It was really uh, written to my other podcast, Love and Abuse, over at loveandabuse.com. But uh, I put it on this show because I think it applies to a lot of people, not just difficult relationships, not just emotionally abusive relationships. It applies to anyone that's ever been in a relationship. I realize that may not be everyone listening. Some people are young. Some people haven't been in relationships. But I think it's a good subject to talk about because kind of going along the trend of the last episode or the uh, previous episode before that where uh, you reach out to an ex and apologize. So this has the concept of apologies to people that you've wronged in the past. And this person wrote, have you ever reached out to an ex years later and apologized for your behavior? 
And they go on to say, I listened to all your love and abuse uh, podcast episodes, and I don't recall you touching on this before. Um, thank you for your show, and I look forward to new episodes. So I'm, I'm grateful that you wrote this. They signed it remorseful. So you know they feel bad about how they treated their partner or partners in the past. And um, if you feel bad about something that you did to someone or a wrong that you did to someone, I think it's great to apologize. However, <laughs> I mean, we all know that it's good to apologize, of course, if you've done something wrong. It shows character. It shows that you're willing to be vulnerable. It shows that you are willing to hand your heart to someone with no armor on it and say, do with it as you will and uh, hope they don't crush it. And if they do crush it, um, thinking that, okay, you know, that's how they felt and I give them that. I give you the gift of my heart and if you crush it, that's okay too. That's a real apology as far as I'm concerned. I've talked about that in an episode or two ago, so I'm not going to get into that too deeply, but just go ahead and look for apologies or look in the apology category or forgiveness category at theoverwhelmedbrain.com and you'll find the episode I did. But this person is asking, do you reach out or have you ever reached out to an ex years later and apologize for your behavior? I have a answer, yes and no. When I got divorced, I apologized during the tough conversations at the end of the marriage. Uh, because after my wife left, I realized my behavior was awful. I realized I made her feel guilty a lot. I withheld love a lot. I did a lot of emotionally abusive behaviors during our entire relationship. And I didn't realize um, the extent of the damage I did, not only to the relationship, but to her. I mean, I watched her, how can I say it, degrade. I watched, watched her become depressed, lose her passion for life. But I saw that as her dealing with her stuff. I didn't see that as her dealing with me. I couldn't see it. I was blind to it. I should have seen it. I'm not making an excuse. I should have seen it. I should have known that I was causing this degradation in her. I mean, when we're in a relationship, we are attached to the other person. And because we're attached to them, you know, through love, through connection, through being together, through living together sometimes, or a lot, through marriage, there's a lot of attachments. But a lot of our feelings are intertwined, or at least are dependent on one another. Like, if your romantic partner um, is sad one day, and you are attached to this person, you might feel some sadness. You might feel empathetically sad because your partner is sad. Or if they're angry at you, for example, you might feel either defensive or you might feel angry back. It's a feedback cycle. We are responding to their emotions and their emotional state. And so it took me a while to realize that being in a relationship with someone directly affects their emotional state and they could be well-balanced before the relationship and become unbalanced during the relationship depending on how the other person behaves and treats them. It, it's, it's all obvious to me now. It really is. But back then when I was in other relationships and I had other partners, I was still acting emotionally immature. I was ignorant. And so, again, that's not an excuse. But 
that's what happened. And I share that because there are ways I treated my ex-partners that I am not proud of and, in fact, ashamed of. Or at least I felt shame at one time, and now I still feel bad about it, but I had to heal from that too because I believe we shouldn't carry shame and guilt around with us forever. We have to go through that so that we can heal, so that we can um, commit to ourselves to never show up in that way again. So I talk about that in other episodes where shame and guilt should be temporary feelings, and when you feel them, you should make changes or at least commit to never doing something again. And if you do that, then you should be free to move on from the shame. doesn't mean you're absolved from what you did. You still have to take responsibility. And it doesn't mean you'll ever feel good about what you did. I definitely don't. But I believe you should move on from guilt and shame so that you're not stuck in the past and they are not stuck with you being stuck in the past because they want you to be happy. The people that care about us and support us want us to be happy. So if we're stuck in the past, always thinking about the bad stuff that we did and we haven't moved on from that and we haven't healed from it, then it affects them too. So again, um, I talk about shame and guilt and other things uh, in other episodes. You can look for that at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Um, getting back to this person's question, have I reached out to an ex years later? As I was starting to say, um, during the separation, when I was married, during that separation, I had realizations. Uh, I mean, these were huge. They were revelations. They were enlightening moments where I said, oh my God, I'm hurting her. I'm judgmental and critical and I withhold love. All this stuff just came to me because I was alone. I was finally alone with my thoughts because she went in and moved with her mom and it was actually an attempt to make her life better and our marriage better. But after she moved out, we were both alone with our thoughts. And that can be a huge bonus, even though it could lead to something you don't want to happen. For us, she got to be alone with her thoughts without me in her proximity influencing her thoughts, and I got to be alone with my thoughts without her in my proximity influencing my thoughts. And when she wasn't around anymore, because she stayed away for months, I finally understood that um, I spent most of my time focused on her behavior. And I spent most of my time judging her behavior and trying to make her fit my sky-high standards. And so I needed that alone time. This is why sometimes I endorse uh, separating for a little while, not to end a relationship, but to have some time with your own thoughts. If someone is in your proximity all the time, then it's hard to have your own thoughts because you're always thinking about what they're going to say or do or think. If she was in my thoughts all the time, which she was when we were married, um, I never had time to think about how, how I was treating her. She was always around, so I never really thought twice. I just thought, okay, this part of life is done. I have a partner. I'm moving forward. So I don't think about that partner in that way anymore. That's secure. I've created a solid foundation. I'm married. This is going to be the way it is for the rest of our lives. And so I put that aside, didn't even think about it. So my treatment of her wasn't an issue in my mind. 
it was a huge issue for her. So when we were separated, I noticed I was treating her this way and we had a video call one time and I said, oh my God, I am so sorry for the, how I treated you. I realize it now. I, I get it. I totally understand. I didn't necessarily say, hey, I'm changed. Come back. Um, I said, I just realized how badly I was treating you. And so that didn't save the relationship. We ended up getting a divorce because there was no more love in her heart. She didn't feel safe around me. She had to close it off to protect herself. But I was able to get in the words, I'm sorry. And like all good apologies, this is what I'm sorry for. This is what I realize. You know, you have to tell them what you're apologizing about and be genuine about it. So that's what I did. I apologized. I said, I can't believe I was treating you like this. I was judgmental. I was critical. I was just awful. And I finally realized it. She was grateful, but like I said, the love was gone. So I did apologize to that soon-to-be ex. And um, I did have other relationships where one of them actually reached out to me where I got to apologize in several ways. And um, there was uh, one or two other partners in my life that one of them was just off of social media. I couldn't find her at all. And another one was like my first relationship. I thought it would be kind of weird to reach out to my first teenage love and say, hey, I'm, a, I'm sorry for what I did to you or how I treated you. Because I was just young and stupid and Yes, I probably did mistreat her, but I don't even know how to approach that. I guess I could call her up, but it's just kind of weird. It, it was weird to me. So this is what I think some people are going to run into is that if you decide to reach out to an ex and they've moved on and maybe they're happy and then you reach out out of the blue, it's going to seem a little strange. Why is this person reaching out to me? It, it might seem like there's an ulterior motive. That's sort of like um, my girlfriend. Uh, one of her ex-boyfriends reached out to her as he was traveling through town. And he hasn't called her in years. And then suddenly he calls her out of the blue. How you doing? Traveling through town. What's going on? And my skepticism is thinking, this guy just wants to see if she's available for a hookup. This, this is what he's doing. He doesn't know she's still in a relationship, so he wants to find out. And, uh, you know, that's fine. But my spidey senses go off and I say, uh, that's probably not the kind of call she thinks it is. But I didn't say a word. This is something that I think is important. I stayed out of her relationship with her ex and just let her think and do whatever she wanted to do. And when she hung up with him and said, oh, that was so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, he was just saying hi, and he was in town, I said, oh, yeah, how, how's he doing? And we just had small talk about it. And she is the one who said, I wonder if he just wanted to have a hookup or something. And I decided to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> and she said, what? I said, nothing. And she said, what do you think? And, of course, she opened the door. What do I think? Oh, well, of course he did. <laughs> of course he called you for a hookup. Because uh, a single guy driving through town calls an ex. Uh, that sounds like a hookup to me. I don't even know why I told you that story. <laughs> but she said, are you serious? He's not calling just to say hi. He just wants a hookup. 
And I said, well, you know, I don't know his true intentions, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> so she said, oh. And I said, you know, I can't, I can't be 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. You know, that's probably what it is. And, you know, that's unfair. I'm judging them. But <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. But, um, again, went off on a tangent. Just wanted to tell that little story. But uh, coming back to actually apologizing to an ex for something you did or something you said, I just think you have to look at it uh, one of two ways, maybe. One way is they've moved on and they're happy and they're not thinking about you at all and they're not holding on to the past. They're not feeling anger or resentment. That could be how your ex feels. They've moved on and they're happy and they're not thinking about you at all. And in fact, if you came up on their radar, it might give them a bad feeling. What's the ulterior motive? Oh, that's why I went on off that little side quest. <laughs> it's because there is an ulterior motive in that guy calling my, my girlfriend. And if they feel like you have an ulterior motive when you call to apologize or send them a text or a Facebook message, whatever, then it might give them a bad feeling. And of course, it might make them think that you have an ulterior motive. Even if you call and say, hey, look, I've realized uh, a lot in my life. I've learned a lot in my life. And I just wanted to apologize for how I treated you. You know, I used to be very critical. I used to be very judgmental or whatever you were. And you were apologizing for those things. And um, they might take that as, oh, that's very kind of you. Very nice. I think if they were holding on to the past or still had thoughts or negative feelings about the past with you, then it would land okay. It would land right. But we don't always know what they're thinking. Because I said there was one of two ways. The second way to do this is to um, just let them be. You can reach out and apologize, but they could misinterpret it. And even if you just said, I apologize for all this stuff, hope you're having a great life. Even if you just said that and walked away, you know, the no strings attached apology, it still might stick in their brain. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying you can't do this. But I'm just saying it's a 50-50 chance that they're either going to be happy about it or they're going to think there's some ulterior motive. It really probably depends on how badly you treated them. What was the awful behavior? If you cheated on them multiple times, they probably never want to hear from you again. They probably never want to hear uh, your voice. They don't want to see your text. They don't want to see your name. They probably just want to move on. And letting them move on is a gift. You know what? You don't have to see me anymore, and you don't have to hear about me anymore. I'm just leaving you alone. I think that's a gift. So any kind of betrayal might stick with them, and they may not want to hear from you. And they may not want to hear from you if you apologized a lot in the relationship, but never changed your behavior. That's another reason you probably shouldn't apologize to them is that you desensitized them to apologies. If you uh, apologized over and over again for things that you kept doing to them and didn't stop, then they probably don't want to hear another apology from you. Again, you may just have to let it go and let them be and give them that gift of your absence. And uh, people will move on and people have to deal with it. This is another thing is that things happen in our life 
that we have to deal with, that we have to heal from sometimes, and that we have to move on from. And if you were in a uh, a bank robbery situation where you were just there, you know, depositing some money and some bank robbers came in and it scared the hell out of you and uh, you were afraid to walk in banks after that or you became afraid of people in ski masks, you're probably going to stay away from banks and you're probably going to stay away from people in ski masks um, for a while because you have PTSD about it. So if there's been any kind of trauma around what happened and they are trying to move on from it and they're trying to heal from it and then suddenly they become re-traumatized because you're in their life again uh, or at least in one little way to apologize, that could be a problem too. So with this said, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm saying that there are possible risks. I can't even think of something that happened in my own life where if an ex reached out to me and apologized uh, if it would feel good. In fact, um, I do know an ex that if she reached out to me and apologized, it would feel really strange because I hadn't talked to her in so long. I've moved on. I've had other relationships and I wasn't even thinking about it. So in my own skin right now, I feel really strange if this person reached out. And so that's how I would feel. Somebody reached out and apologized to me, but I'm not holding on to any anger or resentment about the past because I've moved beyond it. And so to answer your question directly, have I apologized? Yes, to at least two or three partners. And I have not apologized to other partners. But the circumstances where I reconnected with them wasn't me reaching out directly to apologize to them, except for my wife, because when we were still married, we were obviously still connected. So I did apologize then, but years later, I haven't reached out directly. We just had circumstances where we reconnected. A couple of them reached out to me, and then conversations ensued. But it was all very friendly and um, very cordial, so um, that's when I apologized. But, you know, one of my ex-partners saw my content, heard my podcast, read my articles, and she was shocked that I was a different person. She read this stuff and she was shocked and she read stuff about our relationship too. I mean, I'm assuming because I talk about my relationships on this show and I talk about uh, my past and she was part of that past. So when she read that and she realized that I was taking responsibility for what I did and how I behaved, it made her feel really good. She said it was a gift and I felt um, humbled. I mean, I don't know how else to explain that. It was just humbling that somebody said that and that she was able to see me as a different person. So that can be helpful too, is if you are to reconnect with somebody for some other reason and you apologize, they get to remember you uh, in a more positive light. And so the last thing I'll say is this is tough. It's very tough. There are some people that just want to move forward, don't want to think about the past. And there are some people that hold on to anger and resentment. In fact, uh, if you go through your history of relationships and you can remember the ending was really bad, you know, if you had a huge argument or you said some awful things, you called them bad names, you said things that made them feel small or unworthy, if you did that, it might be worth reaching out and saying something, but know that there are people that 
have moved on and really don't want to hear from you again. That could be it. And if that's the case, then it's time to move forward yourself. So this is really a (laughs) non-answer. I can't give you a specific answer because it really depends on how it ended, what they hold on to. It's, uh, It's a tricky one. I think if you were really bad and you feel awful about it and you're still connected to them in some way, that it might be okay to reach out and do it, but there is a 50-50 chance that they don't want to hear from you. I guess what might happen is if even if they don't want to hear from you, uh, at least what you said will be better than anything else you could say. So I'll leave you with that. What you say when you reach out and connect, if you do that, should be better than anything else you could say. So instead of saying, hey, I've been thinking about you, you want to hook up again, <laughs> that's probably not a good idea if you need to apologize for something. It's better to say, I realize how awful I treated you, and I just wanted to apologize for that. I am so sorry. Uh, you know, I would actually add, you know, I don't expect you to respond, and you don't have to. I just wanted to put that out there because I've thought about it a lot and realized you didn't deserve it. So an apology to an ex can look like that too. So I'm going to leave you with all that to unfold, unwrap, and figure out for yourself if you decide to go ahead and do that. But remember, listen to my episodes on apologies. All apologies must come with no strings attached. You can't ask, will you forgive me? You can't say, are you okay with that? Or are you okay now? You can't even ask a question like that. You can just say, this is what I did. I am so sorry. I wish you the best life. I mean, you can do anything you want. I'm just giving you this advice because if you have a string attached where you ask a question or you're waiting for a reply or if you see them in person and you try to hug them, anything they feel obligated to do because you put that um, feeler out there, whether it's reaching for a hug or a handshake or asking, are you okay or do you forgive me, might lead them to believe you have an ulterior motive and you don't want that. Thanks for writing. We'll be right back after this, and I have one more quick question I'm going to get to back in a moment. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. You know, you're thinking about something that you did in your past and you're still holding on to it. We just talked about that in the first segment. If you are holding on to something, you feel bad and you have regret or anything like that and you can't get rid of it and you maybe even tried to apologize to the person and you just keep feeling it and you don't know what to do with it, you might talk to a therapist at BetterHelp. I mean, the negative feelings that we sometimes hold on to It can wear us down. It can burn us out. And life is overwhelming enough and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Lack of motivation, irritability, fatigue, and more. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing the stress in your life. I know that when I went to therapy, I was able to just talk about things that I never talked about with anyone else in a way that I never talked with them about. And uh, when I left, I closed the door behind me and I realized, oh, my problems are back there now. 
they're not always in the forefront of my mind anymore. They're back there in that room. And this is what I love about BetterHelp is that they offer customized online therapy where you can talk on video and phone and even live chat sessions. I used to have to get up and drive to a therapist. And nowadays, we don't have to do that. You can go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month. It's so much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That's two words, BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. And speaking of prioritizing yourself, there are certain things that I do to prioritize myself and, I don't know, shut the world off. (laughs) I play my mobile game, Best Fiends, and I deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve to shut the world off for a little bit. You know, you have to pay attention to what's going on, but just be with yourself for a while. You already do enough every single day, and you have earned some joy. You've earned fun. So have it. Give yourself permission to eat dessert first. Fun gets pushed to the bottom of our to-do list, and we often wait for that supposed free time that we think we're going to have. Sometimes you just want to put a smile on your face, and now that I'm on level, uh, what was it? I don't know, 273, I think it is. I'm smiling. (laughs) And uh, I actually smiled harder when somebody commented on one of my posts in our Facebook group, the Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group. She said that she's on level 1600 and something. I was shocked. (laughs) I thought, wait a minute, that's huge. So... She's been listening. (laughs) She's been listening. When I talk about Best Fiends, it is a free-to-download casual mobile puzzle game. I can't put it down. I play it anytime I have that free time, and sometimes when I don't. (laughs) So I encourage you to check it out at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Download Best Fiends. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends for free. And earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Welcome back. Welcome to segment two of this show. I'll try to keep it shorter than segment one. Ran a little long there. This person wrote, I wanted to see if you could talk more about judgment in an upcoming podcast. I heard you talk about it briefly in an old podcast. As the victim of emotional abuse, I feel like I'm constantly being judged for how well I'm doing at being loving and showing love to my wife. Hmm. The constant judgment and, quote, feedback is very hurtful, and it makes me feel disconnected from her. I'm wondering if you have any advice on healthy ways I can respond to this behavior in a way that is loving and still retains my own personal power. Thank you. All right, thanks for writing that. And I am an expert on judgment in relationships Uh, fortunately and unfortunately. The unfortunate part is that's basically how I destroyed every relationship. I was highly judgmental, highly critical, and I had sky-high standards that no one would ever possibly meet. And it's fortunate because I've learned that it destroys every relationship. I've learned how to not judge, which is basically judgment is all about focusing on the other person. When you are focused on what somebody else does, what somebody else decides, what somebody else says, and you will end up being judgmental because you are just hanging on their every thought and every decision and every word and action. 
you are just focused on them so much that you don't think for yourself and do things for yourself. Because what you're trying to do is control them so that they'll do the things that you want them to do instead of you deciding to honor your boundaries and tell yourself, I don't want this in, in my life anymore. And what I mean by that is, let's just say, I always use this example, let's just say that uh, someone smokes around you and you don't like it, so you get highly critical and say, you shouldn't smoke. That causes cancer and you're ruining my day and you're, you're making my clothes smell. And if you're in the same room with this smoker and you're not a smoker, you might have some thoughts about it. You might have some feelings about it. And so those feelings come out in judgmental and critical sounding words and critical looks. You know, you give the look. Um, but what you're doing is you're complaining about someone's decision to do what they want to do. But you aren't necessarily honoring yourself because you're so focused on them. So I don't like cigarette smoke around me. So if somebody is smoking around me, would I give them a dirty look or would I walk away? Now, I might be stuck in the room. Maybe I'm in an elevator. If they lit up, I might give them a dirty look. <laughs> but if I have the freedom to walk away, I'm going to honor myself and walk away. I'm not going to sit there and tell them they're a jerk and they should make better life decisions. They're making the decisions they want to make. That's their life. Just like I should make the decisions that I want to make. That's my life. So I'm not focused on anyone else anymore. I focus on myself and what I want. That's how you stop judgment. You just stop focusing on the other person. I make it sound simple, but believe me, it's not. <laughs> it took a long time for me to get to that point. In fact, lesson four of the Healed Being program over at HealedBeing.com, I have a, a whole lesson on judgment, and I'm going to read you a small portion of that lesson. And th this part describes what judgment might look like. Number one is you might get pouty, silent, angry, or verbally upset when someone does something that you don't like. Even if you think about them doing something you don't like. So that's what judgment can look like in someone. Another way judgment can look is uh, you want them to know you are upset, either overtly or covertly, in hopes they change their behavior. So you are going to be very visible or very audible about how you feel about their choice or their behaviors or their words. You want them to know that you're upset. So that's another way uh, you can tell someone's being judgmental or you're being judgmental. Number three is you find it hard to reconnect emotionally with them after being upset about what they did because you carry around an emotional trigger that never seems to go away. That's a mouthful there. So what I'm saying is that uh, when I was judgmental in my relationships, I would um, say or do something that I tried to make them feel bad because I didn't want them doing what they were doing. And um, I found it hard to reconnect with them emotionally because I was so triggered by what they were doing. Again, my focus was on the other person, not myself. Because if I really uh, was so upset about what they're doing, why wouldn't I just walk out of the room? Why wouldn't I just leave the relationship? Or, you know, of course, you're going to talk to the person and say, hey, look, when you do that, uh, it hurts my feelings or whatever. You can have a conversation like that. But should you be so judgmental? Should you be so critical towards someone who's making decisions for themselves, even though it affects you? 
but you should focus on yourself and what you want. And again, I make it sound simple. It's a huge deal. It's a deep, sometimes complex issue. That's why I wrote a lesson on it. And I also have another episode or a few episodes on judgment over at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Just type in the word judgment and you'll find a big article, Judgment, the Ultimate Relationship Destroyer. And um, that is going to teach you a lot about judgment as well. But coming back to this question, let me see if I can answer it. This person's on the other side of judgment. He feels he's being judged or he knows he's being judged. He says, I feel like I'm constantly being judged for how well I'm doing at being loving and showing love to my wife. That's an odd way to say it. I feel like I'm constantly being judged for how well I'm doing at being loving and showing love to my wife. So what I think you're saying is that she doesn't find the way you connect with her um, sufficient? Is that what you're saying? I, I don't know. If that's true, then what you said here might be exactly what you need to say to her. You know, I feel like I'm judged for how I love you. And you'll have to be a little bit more descriptive. I don't like to uh, categorize things. Like judgment is a big category that contains a lot of details. I actually like to get into the weeds and tell the person the specific behavior that is hurtful. Hey, do you realize when you give me that mean look, it hurts? Do you realize that uh, when you yell loudly at me, after I do something that you don't like, it makes me feel like um, a child, like you're a parent disciplining a child. And I don't like feeling like that. I want to be in a relationship with an equal. You could absolutely and maybe you should go in that direction where you just tell that person the specific behavior that you don't like and how it makes you feel. When you do X, I feel this. But don't wrap it up into one big word like judgment. When you're judgmental, uh, I feel bad. That's so, believe it or not, it's so generic. You have to say a specific behavior. In my opinion, you have to say the specific thing they're doing so they understand the specific behavior they're doing. When you give me that dirty look, it makes me feel like you don't love me. Because that's what you might feel. Or it makes me feel like a piece of garbage when you talk to me that way talk to you what way well when you talk down to me or when you raise your voice at me whatever they're doing whatever specifically they're doing and the reason you want to be specific about what they're doing is so that they know which behavior is affecting you my girlfriend and I were just having a conversation like this uh, yesterday where I said um, you know it's not helpful if you just tell someone they're abusive Hey, you're being emotionally abusive. Hey, I don't like the way you talk to me. Those are very generic, even though there might be a knowing of, you know, both of you know what you're talking about, but it's still not specific enough. Let's get specific. I just had an episode called uh, Say What You Mean, Mean What You Say. If you want to resolve something, you have to be specific. When you do X, it makes me feel this way. Now, what does happen sometimes is the other person will say, well, you make me feel this way when you do X. You do it too, or you do something that hurts me. So what they'll do is redirect and make you the focus instead of them. 
they'll take the spotlight off of them to put it back on you so that you have to turn on your defenses. Now, if you've listened to my episodes on love and abuse, or even on this show, I've talked about this before, but it's definitely worth repeating. If somebody does that redirect to you, well, you do this to me, it's important to address it, but bring it back to the topic. So I address it this way. I'll say, wow, I I didn't realize I did that, or thank you for telling me that because uh, I think that we need to talk about that too. So I definitely want to talk about that too, but let's get back to what I was saying. When you do this, it makes me feel this. Do you understand? Will you stop that? Can we talk about this? So what I'm doing is redirecting their redirect back to the main topic. Because this is how arguments start. This is how things get out of control. Is that someone will do a redirect. They'll deflect and make you go off somewhere else. Hey, you know, when you did that, it really hurt my feelings. Oh, I hurt your feelings. Oh, what about all these times that you hurt my feelings? What about all this stuff that you did? What about that thing you did 10 years ago? You know, they'll bring up stuff so they don't have to deal with their own behaviors. And so when that happens... You have to be ready for it because you will get taken down the rabbit hole and you won't want to go there and you'll never get to talk about what you want to talk about. And that's why I say to redirect the redirect back to the main topic is to say something like, you know, you're, you're right. We should talk about that too. You're right. But before we do, I want to talk about this first. So let's talk about my thing first and then we'll talk about that. I'm totally open to it. No problem. That is bringing it back onto yourself. And they may say, I'm not doing anything wrong. If that's what they say or something like it, there's a good response to that too. They say, I'm not doing anything wrong. My response to that is, well, this is how I feel when you do it. And the follow-up to that is, will you please stop doing that? Knowing this is how I feel when you do that, will you please stop doing that? It's an easy question. It's usually not easy for the other person to follow if they've been hurtful because a lot of people stay hurtful because it keeps them in control. It makes them feel like they have power. And like this person asked, I I just want to keep my power. I want to keep my power and I want to respond in a healthy way. How do I do it? My wife is constantly judging me. And what this person said in his email is says, uh, as the victim of emotional abuse, I feel like I'm constantly being judged for how well I'm doing at being loving and showing love to my wife. So you've already said you're a victim of emotional abuse, which tells me that your wife is probably doing behaviors that are hurtful, that make you feel bad, that make you feel guilty, make you feel bad about yourself. When that's the case, you know, definitely listen to my episodes at Love and Abuse. That's going to help you understand how to respond to this. Look at my article on judgment at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Listen to my episodes on judgment, and you're going to have a lot more knowledge under your belt. But to deal with it directly, it's hard to give you a thought on this without knowing a specific circumstance or a specific example. Because when you say you're being judged for how well you're doing at being loving and showing love, That tells me that the way you show love is not satisfactory to her. And I can't tell you if she's going to be upset with you no matter what you do. Like if you showed up exactly the way she wanted, it uh, is going to resolve things. I can't tell you that's going to happen. And I can't tell you that honoring yourself and saying, hey, look, this is who I am. And if you don't like who I am, that's tough. (laughs) I can't tell you that's going to work. 
Because this is what happens. If you are really in an emotionally abusive relationship, then what ends up happening is you can satisfy every criteria that you think they have and it still will not be enough because they want to keep their power or control over you. You said you wanted to retain your own personal power. The only way to do that is to say, what you're doing is hurtful. Will you please stop? I mean, that's not the only way, but that is a way to do it. But sometimes when we keep our power by doing that, we end up risking the relationship. If you're asking me, I don't mind risking the relationship when it comes to keeping your personal power. You should make empowered decisions. You should be able to feel good enough in your own skin to say what's on your mind. Hey, when you say that, it hurts. Please stop. That's direct. But it could also lead to an argument. It could also lead to a breakup if you're in a romantic relationship. It could be something that can't be fixed because you finally spoke your mind. But this is what happens, especially in emotionally abusive relationships, where the emotionally abusive person doesn't want to lose control. They don't want to lose power. If you're feeling bad, it makes them feel in control, and sometimes it makes them feel good. I hate to say it. it, it this could be happening to you. But there is a way to test this, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. <laughs> There's a way to test their caring and respect and kindness and compassion for you. There's a way to test their love for you is by asking them, the behavior you're doing now is hurting me. Will you stop? And if they say, no, I won't, you're just going to have to deal with it or you need to be an adult or whatever they say to make you feel bad about yourself or make you feel wrong. Your answer should be yes, but it still hurts. And I, I just want you to stop doing this particular behavior because it hurts. And then you might have to follow it up by saying, do you want me to hurt? And then, of course, they might say something like, I'm not responsible for you being hurt. And this goes right back to where I talk about relationships in the last segment, where you have an attachment to someone your emotions feed off of theirs, theirs feed off of yours. It's a constant feedback machine. You said the constant judgment and feedback is very hurtful. That's what you're getting. You're getting feedback. And so let me finish with this. The way you're responding also has to change. Because the way you're responding feeds into her emotions. Or it feeds into her response to you. What I mean by that is if you have this sad face or you are silent, or you walk away, and that's what you do normally, that feeds into her response and her behaviors and her emotions. So this is why I talk about sometimes experimenting. If you experiment, your response to what she does and says changes her behavior. Sometimes. It doesn't always change it, but it should change her thoughts about it at least, and maybe completely. Maybe her behavior changes completely if you suddenly say, oh, you don't like it? Well, sorry about that. That's just who I am. What would happen? <laughs> like I said, that could lead to an argument. That could lead to a breakup. I don't know, but uh, there's a point in a relationship where you just can't take it anymore. I can't take this behavior anymore. You're hurting me all the time. So I'm going to start saying what's on my mind, and I'm going to start owning who I am. This is what it might turn into. You might have to start owning who you are and you say, look, I've tried everything, so if you don't like it, that's too bad. 
I'm not giving you that for advice. I'm not saying you should say that. I'm saying, you know, if I were in your shoes, I would probably get to that point. I've tried everything. I can't please you. There's nothing I can do. You're never happy with what I do. So I'm just going to own who I am. This is how I'm showing up. You either take it or leave it. You know, sometimes that changes relationships for the better. And sometimes it doesn't. Again, this isn't advice. I'm just saying, look at your response to her behavior and make changes. Because what some people do is wait for your response that they expect. If they expect that response every time, they're prepared with their response. She's probably thinking, well, this is where he pouts and leaves the room, and I've already responded to that a hundred times. I'm going to respond the same way again. I mean, think about this logically. This is cause and effect. This is A leads to B leads to C. All you have to do is say, when she does this, I do that, and then she does this. So you need to change one of those this is or that's. You need to change how you're showing up. You need to change how you respond to find out if she changes. And like I said, that could lead to a breakup, that could lead to an argument, or it could lead to a whole new understanding in the relationship, which makes things better. But it is risky. But because you said you're in an emotionally abusive relationship, then what I think will happen is that no matter what you do, no matter how much you fulfill her criteria for what uh, loving her is supposed to look like, you probably won't win. You probably can't. And that might be the point where you say, well, then it doesn't matter. I'm just going to be myself. I'm just going to be myself. But I gave you a lot to chew on. None of it is necessarily direct advice. It's just something to think about uh, or a lot of things to think about and make the decision that you feel you should make. Um, but I do believe in being more specific about the behaviors and not just throwing out generic words that have a lot of meanings. Judgment has a lot of meanings. But when you tell me I'm a loser, that's very specific. Emotional abuse has a lot of meanings. But when you tell me I'm just like my father and I'll never amount to anything in life, that's specific. When you give me that dirty look after I make you breakfast, that's pretty specific. <laughs> if you want to talk about something, you'll want to get specific about what to talk about so that when you address it, at least it's on the table. At least you can have a conversation about it or you find out that you can't. And when you find out that you can't even have a conversation with somebody you care about and someone who's supposed to care about you, then what is there? You know, what's left? And that's another show. That's another maybe direction in life. Thanks so much for writing. I wish you the best. I wish I could give you the perfect answer for this, but I hope I've given you enough to know what to do next. We'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our patrons of the week, Christy, Leela, Holly, Adriana, Anna, Veronica, Vanessa, Deborah, Allison, Robert, Chelsea, Andrea, Andreas. Is that how you pronounce it? I hope so. You're new. Thank you so much for joining, Andreas. Good to have you as a patron. Harriet, Anna, all wonderful people that support this show financially. I appreciate you. I read names of the patrons every week, and um, this week, those were them. 
So thank you again, patrons. And if you find value in the show and you want to support as well, head over to moretob.com where you have the option to do so. Hey, I've been doing this for nine years and I'm going to continue doing it. And uh, of course, all your support is helpful. I'm not here to beg. I'm just here to offer it if you are in that position to do so. moretob.com. Thank you, patrons. I appreciate each and every one of you. And for a show on how to deal with difficult relationships, I mentioned it before, loveandabuse.com. And if you know you're the difficult one in the relationship, head over to healedbeing.com. And I have a program that's going to help you immensely over there, healedbeing.com. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And just a quick personal story that has nothing to do with personal growth and development, has nothing to do with um, giving you any value <laughs> or any advice or anything like that. I am in New Hampshire right now recording this in my truck. And uh, it's just interesting. I'm sitting here looking at the bird crap on the window because I parked under a tree and the massive amount of pollen just dusted over it like a powdered donut over my whole vehicle. And um, I've got my laptop in my lap. I've got the recorder in the console. I've got my inverter that powers the laptop and the recorder. I've got the air conditioning on and I'm trying to make all of this happen in a very portable way while I'm on vacation. So my girlfriend and I are here in New Hampshire visiting family and we just, we love it here. We love being here. And soon we're going to go back probably in about a week, but you won't even notice because it all happens seamlessly behind the scenes. So I take this recording, go upstairs and it goes through an editing process and production process and uploads and all this stuff that happens behind the scene that you might think only takes an hour to record and send out into the world. But uh, it doesn't. It takes a long time to put all this stuff together and make sure everything sounds right. And um, sometimes you have to rough it. Well, maybe there is a personal growth lesson here. Sometimes you have to rough it. Sometimes you have to go basic. You know, do the minimal just to get through well, the day and the week and the year. I had to do that after my divorce. I went minimalist. I lived with my mom. I actually moved into her basement for like 10 months. And this wasn't a finished basement. <laughs> this was very unfinished. And uh, me and the spiders and my cat, we all hung out down there. It wasn't as bad as that. There was a, sort of a bedroom down there, but again, definitely not finished. Very dark. Very few windows, but I had to rough it. I had to rough it while I was healing from being divorced. I had to go through that whole thing. And that got me through to the next phase in my life, or what I like to call the next chapter in life. I really love knowing there are chapters in our life. It's like a book. The next chapter is going to bring something new, something interesting, a big change or a big challenge. And... That's what happens, and that's what's happened to me over and over again, just like it's happened to you. The next big challenge is your next chapter in life. And if you're in the depression chapter right now, there's another chapter coming up. There really is. I've been depressed, and I thought that was the last chapter. I thought that was the end of the book. And then the next chapter came, and I was fine. I made it. It took some time. took a few more chapters, <laughs> but I made it through because there's always another chapter. 
And if there isn't, and that was the final chapter, then you, you probably wouldn't know it. <laughs> it's just not there anymore because you're not here to experience the chapter. But when you're here and you think it's the last chapter, rough it a little bit. You might have to do the basics. You might have to do the minimal. You might have to just get through it. But believe you can and believe you will. And by looking ahead and seeing that there is another chapter coming, sometimes it's the only hope you have. Because sometimes it is a challenge. Sometimes we do go through some really tough times. There, there are tough times right now for many people. Very tough times. We're on vacation and it costs twice as much to get up here because of you know expensive gas and food has gone up. and Tough times. And that's nothing compared to what some other people are going through. Just another chapter. Another chapter in our country, in the world, in our life. The chapters keep getting written and keep getting changed. And some people don't like that. Some people don't want the change. Life is like that. It brings change. And it's sometimes hard to adjust and sometimes feels impossible. But there is another chapter coming. So keep that in mind. And I hope that helps you see that if you're going through some challenge right now, that the next chapter is coming. And uh, hopefully... Uh, the current chapter just uh, has a page or two left. <laughs> but if it's a great chapter, then maybe it's the longest chapter of your life, and that'll be good. Let's keep it going. Maybe if everything's going well for you, your book only has one chapter. That would be kind of boring, maybe, but maybe you love it. I don't know. But just keep an open mind, because that's how you step into your power, and that's how you create the life you want. All these new chapters coming at you always take steps to grow and evolve you are powerful beyond measure and above all and this is something i absolutely know to be true about you you are amazing